Here we go. It's really, really, really bad news to live off your emotions. And for those who don't have lots of them, it's also bad to deny you have them. And so, one, you know, this is one of my favorite topics, which is, is the evidence for the resurrection. Is, uh, you know, Christianity isn't about crossing your fingers. Christianity isn't about whistling in the dark. Christianity isn't a crutch for those who, don't th- who think they can't make it. Unbelief is a crutch for thing- those who think they can make it. Christianity is rooted in history. It's rooted in creation. It's rooted in God's working in the world, around the world, beyond the world. God revealed in Christianity is way beyond our understanding, which is why understanding is so limited. It's very important, but it's the only way that we can actually use our minds to, to get a foundation for our thinking about who God is and who we are is to allow him to change our thinking, is to allow him to transform our thinking. And if, we, if our value and our, our belief is, is, is rooted in our, in our emotions, uh, it will never last, it will never sustain. Um, so, Because our, our emotions change all the time. On the other hand, if we never have an emotional encounter with God, we will never actually know Him in our hearts. So I like what Graham Cook says, if you enter into a relationship with God through your head, you've got to come out through your heart. If you enter with your heart, you've got to come out with your head. We need both of them, and we need to continually be saying to God, will you expand my heart? so that I might feel and know you more emotionally? And will you expand my mind so that I can actually know you and appreciate you more with my mind? And those both together will help us stay on track. The, the, the disciples just... I, probably I'm going to say everything I've said many times before, but that's all right. Um, when Jesus went to the cross and when he hung there and when he was killed and there was nothing but the Roman, the Romans have won again, they were profoundly, this is what they expected, maybe. I mean, up until that point, it, it had ran the script of their whole lives. And I know what it was like to live in an oppressive regime in South Africa and the, the power of the government, the power of the oppressiveness of the police, the power that I could never see how that would be broken. So the script that you know, I have seen and others have seen was unbelievable in the 70s as far as I was concerned. And that was nothing compared to the Roman hold over people. And so there's this, this, this crucifixion and they're, they're in the tomb. Uh, Jesus is in the tomb and then as on Easter we, we celebrate this, the tomb is opened and Jesus emerges. And it's unbelievable. And, you know, part of me, I don't ever want to settle for I've got God wrapped up in a box. I've got God all worked out. I don't want to settle for He hasn't surprised me in 15 years. I mean, you can go on the, you can go on the internet and you can Google resurrection, and you can. There are so many internet sites written by apparently conservative Bible-believing Christians that you read it and it's so depressing because all they spend their time doing is arguing about Scripture, but nev- there's no life in it. And so the scriptures point to the life of Jesus. And I deliberately put in, you know, I, sp- I spoke to you about Alpha. And, and you know, if you, if you go to the Alpha website, they've got, you know, Nikki Gumbel's original Alpha. Then they've got Alpha for students. And then they've got Alpha for youth. 
and now they've got Alpha International with this um, adventurer that's very famous in, in England and around the world now, Bear Grizzle or something. And, and he's going to sort of front this new Alpha initiative, which I think is fantastic. And so they have Alpha for you know, different people. And if you were looking at the Gospels through an Alpha ma- you ma- you know, sort of lens, you might go, when Matthew wrote, he was writing for Alpha for Jews. And when Luke wrote, he was Alpha for the Gentiles. When Mark wrote, Alpha for guys who don't like to read a lot. Because Mark was probably written from Peter, and Peter probably was forced to do it. Somebody probably said, Peter, you were with Jesus. You experienced a lot of things. Won't you write it down? And Peter goes, I don't know how to write. And so some of somebody comes along and says, here, I found so-and-so, and they can write. So he probably walked up and down, and he sort of told his story, and then it was written down in Mark. So Mark would be for you know, action people. And uh, John would be for mystics and for artists. And for people who, because John sort of wrote his alpha uh, with lots of interpretation, lots of meaning. It's beautiful. And so why I say that is that you read the end of Matthew. Then the eleven disciples went to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. That is the proof text for the Great Commission. And it's also very Jewish, and it's also very behavior sort of written. So it's, there's not a lot of human feel in that, if you notice. This is what Jesus did. This is what they did. Then Jesus came to them. All authority is given. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything. Very Jewish. I have commanded you and I'll be with you to the very end of the age. I'll get on with it. That's the great commission. Go and make disciples of all the world. But God, you see, understood that Matthew might not get the whole thing. So that's why Luke and Mark and John are written as well. Because Matthew has put one slant on the end after the crucifixion. Now you go to Mark. I'm I'm trying to illustrate to you why it's important not to take one text and say the Bible says because one text doesn't prove anything. You need to let the Bible interpret itself. You need to let the Bible read to itself. You need to say, well, what else does it say? Because it tends to expand on things. And in the end of Mark, you get the resurrection of Jesus, uh, where Mary uh, is, is spoken to. When Jesus ro- rose early on the, very ne- on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom had driven seven, seven demons. She went, so, so this is very offensive to a Jew and to the culture of the day because men don't speak to women and God certainly doesn't speak to women. That's what Paul wrestled with as well. God speaking to women? Come on. It's stupid. Women haven't got anything useful. They make babies and they clean up. Am I triggering you yet? <laughs> the woman would probably say to God, why are you speaking to men? They don't listen. They twist it and abuse us with whatever you tell them. So this is radical. If they were trying to write, this is one of the evidences for the resurrection, by the way, just in passing, it's one of the nuances, that if it was meant to be popular and it was meant to be for persuasive teaching, you wouldn't have this in. You wouldn't have God appeared and spoke, an angel appeared and spoke to a woman. You would put the men first. Out of whom had... 
So Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons, which just means that God actually loves and cares and can minister through people who have been very screwed up. So it's really good news. And she went and told those who had been with him and who were mourning and weeping. And when they heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they had a worship service and they said, Praise God, we thank you so much for the resurrection. We get it. It doesn't say that. It says they didn't believe him, her. First of all, why would you believe a woman's testimony? It's not even legal. And secondly, what she's saying is nonsense. Because he was wrapped up by Joseph, two men, Joseph and Nicodemus. They wrapped him up in 70 pounds worth of wrapping and they put him in a tomb and the guard's outside and those tomb is sealed and who has ever heard of a resurrection anyway? You're an emotional woman who loved Jesus and now you're seeing what you want to see. They didn't believe her. Now if you'd read Matthew... You just think, oh, they got up one morning, Jesus appeared to them, and he said, go and do this as the Great Commission, and they all trotted off in obedience. When you read the others, you start saying, there was a little bit between this that was left out by Matthew. And the bit between is really important, because the bit between helps me get on board, because they seem to be quite more like me. Like, I didn't believe at first. Don't just believe what you hear may be. Afterwards, Jesus appeared in different form to two of them while they were walking in the country. They ret- those, these returned and reported to the rest. And they said, now we believe. No, they didn't. They said they did not believe in them either. So you got the report of a woman, Mary Magdalene, and you got the report of two men on the Emmaus Road, and the disciples still, I don't believe you. These are the guys who spent three years with Jesus, saw his miracles, fed the 5,000, walked on water, all that stuff. I don't believe you. Somebody spoke, I think it was Jeannie, about the lies that we believe. There lies in what we believe. And one of the things we, no, we always need to ask God is, what are the lies that I'm still believing? And they can even be Christian lies. And the only way you unmask the lies is by sharing with each other, reading the scriptures and continuing to learn together. And when you unmask a lie, it's wonderful because it seems like it's too good to be true. Because lies usually oppress and they usually dumb it down and they usually make God less and they usually make me more responsible and they usually don't work in the favor of goodness. Later Jesus appeared to the eleven as they were eating and he rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. So Jesus wasn't impressed with the boys and the girls. He wasn't Canadian. He didn't say, oh, there, there, I'm sorry you've been through a tough time. He did, actually, in his demeanor. But he also said, why are you guys so hard to communicate with? Have I been telling you all of this? You remember how he said, have I been with you all this time and still? And then he revealed himself. He said to them, go into all the world. Now, Now he says that same commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. That's the Great Commission. This is what a lot of Christian organizations have built on. Go out and make disciples of all the world. We are Bible-believing, evangelical Christians. And you're going to make disciples by giving them words and building houses for them and feeding them. You're going to make disciples by serving them and there's nothing wrong with any of those the thing that's so offensive to me is that it's just a lie because Jesus said to them go out and make disciples and then 
he says this, And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick snakes up with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. Because the whole purpose of the resurrection was to show that what's the thing that human beings fear the most? At the end of the day, it's death. As soon as you say, I have cancer, death comes right up behind it and you go, I'm terrified. I am absolutely terrified. Cancer is now God. And all the other things, then death is the thing that comes up behind us. And we go, we've got to avoid that at all costs. And it is horrific. But the resurrection says death has been crushed. Death is not the last word. Death is not the meaning of life. You do not live to die. You live to become something through death. And the early Christians and the early church and the first century of church was filled with people who said, bring it on. Bring it on. If I can glo- That's what Glenda's doing. If I can glorify God through this cancer and I die, my testimony is that He is Lord. Absolutely. Painful. Absolutely. Puzzling. Definitely. Frustrating. Why don't you heal? I do not know. But if I know or do not know, Jesus' resurrection still speaks right through the heart of every sickness and every suffering and says, but in the end, you will be resurrected and you will have a life unlike anything you've ever seen. It will not be on earth. And when you get there, you'll go, why didn't I come sooner? The resurrection is profound. It is profound. And we live lives that are weak and terrified in the face of death. And we need to rise up and say, if I die, so be it. But Jesus is still Lord. And that's not weak. And that's not avoiding. That's not denial. That's basically saying, what else am I going to do? Because what Jesus did when he rose from the dead, he was breaking open the heavens and saying, death is not the end. And he wasn't just opening up the heavens. He was releasing presence and power to human beings so that heaven on earth can begin. In the first time in history since Adam sinned, people were filled with the spirit after Pentecost that says, that spirit that is in you now is what transcends death. You cannot kill. Satan's greatest greatest weapon to us is I'm going to kill your body. Christianity was born on people who said, well then have my body. Yeah, we agree. It's not that easy, is it? It's easy until I'm diagnosed with cancer tomorrow and then I stand up here next week and go, oh, I know that. It would take some addressing. It would take some working it out. It's easy to say it. But to work it out is the process of saying, Father, that's what I want though. And if you just have a great commission, it just stays on a behavior pattern of go and make disciples by persuading people. But the further you get out of the universities, the further you get out of education, the more you get into people who live life and they go, I don't understand all these words that you speak. Show me. And in our culture right now, that's exactly the thing. Show me. If Jesus is so good, show me by your life. I want to read you. I want to read something different. I don't know what that is for you or for me. But somewhere there's a difference because this resurrection, when, these, when Jesus appeared and he rebuked his disciples, their lives were about to be turned upside down. Why doesn't God heal me of this? I keep asking me. I don't know, Bill, but I'm carrying on anyway. 
So, you've got this tension, the unbelief of human beings and the radical expression of God through the resurrection and Jesus coming to his disciples. He rebukes them but he still meets them. The end of Luke. You know, don't you get tired of limiting God? The limitations on the Spirit of God in the church are epidemic. We argue about... (coughs) I don't believe in praying for healing. I don't believe that people can get healed. I don't believe in tongues. I don't believe in prophecy. I don't believe... You go, what do you believe? (coughs) What do you believe? And even if you believe it, what difference does it make? And these disciples had the guts to go, I don't believe. And there are a lot of people, and I bet you you're sitting here too, don't have the guts to say, I don't believe. Or don't have the guts to say, this is as far as it goes for me. Or don't have the guts to say, you know, I'm scared of going to the men's retreat because I'm scared of what it might do. I don't want to get out of my comfort zone. So I'm going to stay lukewarm or half dead for another 10 years. Because I don't have the courage to actually push beyond something. But I will come up next week and whine about how it's boring. Or I just won't show up. Because you don't have the courage to actually press through into something else. You'll have opinions. Oh boy, they'll be big. And they probably won't be said to me because I'll argue back. They'll be said to somebody who's weaker or who you can milk and you can sort of gossip together. I'm just sort of going on a rant here. But I'm just talking about... You know, our tendency as people, take yourselves with a pinch of salt, all right? You know, don't get all hung up on this now. You can get the recording and you can listen again and throw things. But, you know, chill out. We are, we are so silly the way we go on. We get on our high horse and then we, we push away. And so these disciples, I'm so encouraged to read. They come along and they hear things and they don't believe, but they're still, they're kind of stuck with each other and Jesus is stuck with them. And so what happens? It's like hide and go seek, but Jesus keeps appearing. Gotcha. I'm, I'm alive. And gradually, gradually, what you see actually happening is it begins to sink in. He's alive. Now what? He's alive. Next week, next year, we'll have Easter eggs and bunnies to celebrate it. No. Next year, some of us might not even be alive because we're going to declare something we thought was unbelievable. And Jesus said to them, well, let's go to Luke quickly. He went, <coughs> I'll, I'll rush this. I always say that. The end of Luke, what does, he, what does he talk about after the resurrection? Jesus is risen. He appears to the women again. This is a repetitive theme. He appears to women. Good news for women. Verse 11 of Luke 24, but they did not believe the woman because their words seemed to them like nonsense. I have that highlighted. Do not believe what it says in the Bible. They did not believe because the women's words are nonsense. There you go. Let's build a church around that one. That's that kind of thing, you know. That's nonsense. So then you have that, that beautiful passage of the road to Emmaus where these men were walking and they were, they were leaving Jerusalem so disillusioned and Jesus appears to them as like a stranger. He talks to them. He opens up the scriptures. And there's something very profound in what Luke is saying here because he opens up the scriptures in verse 27. Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning him. 
Verse 32, they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? What does that tell you? (coughs) You can read the scriptures or you can read the scriptures. You can quote the scriptures or you can quote the scriptures. Satan quotes the scriptures. Pharisees quote the scriptures. All kinds of people quote the scriptures. And Jesus opened up the scriptures and says, this is what it means. And their hearts burned. Read the scriptures so your heart burns. Not so that your mind burns, your heart burns. Let it grab hold of you. Let it speak life to you and hope to you, truth to you. Don't use the scriptures to prove a point. Let the scriptures read you as they say. And everything you find that conflicts with your understanding, then say, Lord, I want my experience to grow into a place where that is illustrated in the scriptures. Thus far I have never experienced somebody being healed through me. I want to get to that, so I'm going to pursue that. I'm not going to spend my whole life speaking against why healings don't happen because I haven't seen them. I haven't seen them because my attitude stinks and I don't have any faith to believe it and I actually am dishonest and a hypocrite and I'm a Pharisee of Pharisees. Read the scriptures. See the resurrection of Jesus encountering people who did not believe And then they did believe because he grappled with them and he met them where they were. And so Luke talks about how these two men were grappling and Jesus came along and he was not angry because angry is God is not angry with people who search. He's not angry with people who are lost. He's not angry with people who are broken. He's not angry with people who are scratching their heads saying, I don't believe. He's just pursuing them. And so in Luke you have that wonderful moment where he breaks bread and they see and they rush back to the disciples and they tell him what happened and we read, have already read in Mark they didn't believe them either and they came back and they told them all about this um, and then Jesus appears <laughs> that would have been a cool one to be in they're talking about the Emmaus road and, and they're going no 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 and then Jesus says oh yeah 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 yes 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 that must have been fun oh Did you hear what I just said, Jesus? Yep. True form. But I love you. Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. Why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in your mind? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. He showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it, because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything to eat? And then they ate and then he opened their minds, verse 45, so they could understand the scriptures. You see, naturally you will never believe the supernatural. Naturally it won't make any sense. Naturally it won't make any sense for you to come up here while we're singing healing is here and believe that God will heal you. Supernaturally God can do anything. Some of you don't have because you're not willing to risk. And risk is easy. You just go, this is where I am. I've got a body. I'll wheel it over here. Please pray for me. I'm going to worship you. Use your body as a way for God to meet you. Because your your body speaks. You know that, don't you? We're all shouting attitude. Praise God, praise God, praise God. And my body's like this. We worship you. You'd be surprised how much I see. I want to stop a lot of the time and say, come up, let me help you. Get a breakthrough. But some of the things, it's just pride. It's just, I don't do that. 
the resurrection causes us to go, God, what are you saying to human beings? And he's saying, I am greater than death. I am the Lord of life. The worst that the Romans, who are the most oppressive regime in the world, probably in e- forever, the worst they could throw at me, I have defeated through death. So, I want to encourage us. And you look through the end of John, you get another whole different ending. Read the different endings. See what happens. See what happens. At the end of John's Gospel, he appears to his disciples. He appears to Thomas. He goes down to Galilee and appears to them as they're fishing. They can't catch anything and he reinstates Peter. It's wonderful. If you just stayed with Matthew, you wouldn't have had any of that. You would just have had this go and make disciples, go and behave and be obedient. And you take the others together and you get this fullness of there's going to be power, there's going to be presence, there's going to be, I'm going to meet you so that you can work out your doubts and unbelief so that you can actually do what you never thought you'd be able to do because of me. And, and then he says to them, and when you, now that you know that I'm risen, now that you've experienced I'm risen, you see, for some people, they live on how much information they have. So now they go, I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And you go, great. And Jesus still says, that's not enough. I rose from the dead for the next bit. And the next bit is, he breathed on them. Now people are trying to imitate that. So in ministry times, they go around. And you go, what are you doing? You got bad breath and I don't understand it. Little piggy went to the market and did that. Why are you doing it? Because it says in the gospel, yeah. Well, I did it and somebody fell down. Yeah, okay. I'm teasing. Somebody's going to be offended by that. <coughs> but but there's, a, there's an element of, of Jesus. Bre- he said to them, what? Don't go into Jerusalem. This is resurrection. Don't, don't go into all the world. Don't, fill, don't try and do this commission until you've received power from on high. Because you can't go to do this commission and heal the sick and, and not get sick without my power and my presence. So you need the presence of my spirit because the presence of my spirit and the power of my spirit is the reason I'm resurrected, is the reason for all of this, that you would be spirit-filled human beings who are changed from the inside evermore to his glory. Which is why every time you speak a word over yourself that says, I cannot do this, you're speaking a lie. Or maybe the truth is, I cannot do this but with the Spirit of God in me, I can. And so the, the truth we need to speak over ourselves is, who can I become with the Spirit of God in me that I could never be without Him? And the trouble is we spend a lot of our time limiting our faith to an expression of it that is rated, rooted in our behavior and our ability. And the, the way you, 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 you stay rooted in your behavior and ability is that if I know more than you, then I have authority and status in front of you and that is my security. problem is that two-thirds of the world don't have an education. And so they're going to have to see something more than just a long thing that puts them to sleep. That's why human beings filled with the love of God and the presence of God and the power of God and the passion of God that actually transform their lives makes a difference. And that's why this motley group of people who were released under the Holy Spirit by Jesus, turned the world upside down. And that's why two years later, when Saul was on the road to Damascus, and he was hit by the revelation, he was totally changed from a comfortable lifestyle of a Pharisaical Jew to a, a very brutally ab- abused man for the rest of his life because of his relationship with Jesus. This is not for the weak or the faint-hearted. And it's time we muscled up, grow up, strengthen, 
get, get yourself by the scruff of the neck and say, come on, it's got to be more than this. I wouldn't die for you. Turn that to the person next to you. Come on, let's go further. Let's move further. Let's not settle for this. If you, if you want to know what God's saying to you, just ask the person next to you. They'll probably tell you. What do you think God could give more of? Here's a video to give you some help. So let's stand and just listen to the Lord for a minute. What's filling you up? Jesus rose from the dead and he poured out his spirit so that we would be filled with him. And out of that fullness would come our lives. You show us, Father, anything that's getting in the way, anything that is our unbelief, anything that is a lie about who you are or about who we are. Thank you that you can meet us wherever our questions are or wherever our faith ends. But this morning we're declaring that you're a God who has overcome death. You are a magnificent God that we do not understand. That you are one who rolls away stones, overcomes the Romans, steps through walls, heals the sick. It's way beyond our understanding. But you have come into our midst so that the things we couldn't believe become believable. And so Jesus stands among us this morning and he pours out his spirit. Receive my spirit, he says. See, we can receive it all the time now. We don't have to ask him for permission. He's already given it to us. He said, go, make disciples. Disciples aren't people who regurgitate the scriptures. They're people who love Jesus. And they read the scriptures to make sense of their experience of God. And they read the scriptures to find out what more there is that they can inherit in the kingdom. And they read the scriptures to grow and learn and be fed, not to argue. Father, we call up in this place a hunger for you, a humility of heart a dissatisfaction that causes us to want more and to hunger for more of you. And we ask you in your love and in your grace to show us those things that we are filling up with right now that are not bringing life to us. They're just numbing us out. Show us those things that we're filling our time with. You're not getting angry with us. You're just saying that's just going to be sawdust. It'll never be enough. And give us a hunger for you that fills us up day by day. And the way you get filled up by Jesus is you just say, thank you, Jesus, that you love me. Thank you that your spirit is in me. Thank you that you have purpose for my life. Thank you that I'm safe with you. You take the scriptures you read and you make them into promises and then you receive them by faith. And your feelings are not your authority. Your promises are your authority. But Father, I also pray that feelings will grow. I pray for emotional encounters with you. 
And Father, for those who have lots of emotional encounters, I pray for the scriptures to come alive, that those will be rooted in promises. So Father, awaken our hearts and awaken our minds that they might burn with the presence of the risen Lord. So we bless what you're doing among us. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your kindness. We just want to be more alive to you and to one another. You ask God for right now, what do you want more of? Where do you want to be more alive? If it stays in your head, that'll be just another thought. But if you open your heart, you give him something to work with. You always want to check your heart. What is my heart saying right now? Jesus, I open my heart. So Father, as we receive the bread and wine this morning, we just uh, receive it in faith that you have more for us so that we can be more like you. Because your vision for us as a people who effortlessly live with you flowing out of us like living water.